Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Hey, it's great to be with you here this morning. For those I'm yet to meet, my name is Andrew Main, and I am on loan today from our Ormo campus. So uh, two services in one Sunday, that's just, this is double workload for me and it's, you know, holiday season. It's crazy. Hey, uh, what day is it anyway? Like, apart from the fact that you're here and I'm here, it does not feel like Sunday today. I feel like I'm preaching on a Thursday. Don't ask me what date it is. Don't ask me what is open or closed or when normal life resumes, but we're in that crazy in-between season. I don't know what we call it, but between Christmas and New Year, what day is it today? Anyone else just disorientated and out of whack right now? I'm not the only one. Okay. I, I, I want to draw my inspiration for today's message from the in-between season. And I don't know what it looks like in your family, but uh, maybe you've resume, resumed normal activity. You're back at work, things have just jumped straight back into rhythm. Maybe you're still in the dregs of Christmas. You've got one more family lunch, dinner, gathering still to go until you can finally sign off the festive season for 2019. Or maybe like my family, you're in the midst of what I like to call the post-Christmas purge. It's that moment where we see the opportunity to declutter all of the things that we've gathered in our house in recent weeks and months in the lead up to Christmas, and there's no place that it's more seen in my house than in the bins that sit on my driveway. I mean, there's rubbish in there. There's things that we found that got bought three months ago. Uh, As a preacher, the post-Christmas purge also includes like shelving every sermon on shepherds, wise men, stars, mangers, all of that for another 12 months. It's nice to speak into something different today. But I don't know what the post-Christmas purge looks like for you, but for us, it's about decluttering all those things out of our life that have gathered as we look forward to resuming some normality as we hit the new year. And so in the spirit of the post-Christmas purge today, I've come up with a very creative title for my message, and it's this, The Three Bins. And I'm going to take inspiration from these three things that sit on most of our driveways. And what I want to do today, it's a very practical message. I want to talk about each of the different bins and what they represent, not just in our practical life, but in our spiritual life. And I want to give you a question that I want you to ask every time you go to that bin. So my hope today is that for the next 12 months, every time you put the rubbish on the street or you go out to your bin to dump something in it, that my face is going to be etched in your mind's eye. My attractive face is just going to speak to you and whisper in your ear, and you're going to hear these three questions over and over again, and as you do, you're going to be reminded about the challenge of this message on the something of December. What is it? The 29th of December, the message of the three bins. So let's just jump straight into it. Let's start with the first one. Many of you have a bin like this with a red lid. Some of us in Gold Coast Council area, our our bin's just got the same ugly green lid, but it's just affectionately known as the rubbish bin. If you come to my house right now, there's seven in our family. Our bin looks more like that. The bin guy comes tomorrow morning. Some of you right now are checking what day the bin person comes because you're out of whack, but he's coming tomorrow morning and I cannot wait for the rubbish bin to go down on the street tonight. 
Because right now, if you looked in my bin, it is filled with all kinds of goodness. There's half-eaten fruit mince pies. There's the carcass of a turkey. There's some nappies. There's some soggy paper towel. There's the rind of the pork that didn't crackle as well as we'd hoped that it would crackle. There's plastic wrappers, there's leftover chocolates, and there's the ham that yesterday we decided was too many days post-Christmas to risk on the sandwiches. I mean, all of it is gathered in the bin, just basting in the Queensland sun, creating a beautiful brown juice that's just all seeping to the bottom and a smell that fills our nostrils. Have I turned anybody's stomachs this morning? I hope so. Because that's the point of the rubbish bin. We put things in the rubbish bin that we never want to see again, we never want to have in our life again, we never want to smell again, and we're really happy for someone to come, take it away in a truck, and bury it in a big hole in the ground. So what's the question that I want you to ask this year as you take out your rubbish bin every week? It's this, what in your life needs to get dumped? What in your life needs to get dumped? As you consider the new year coming up in a few days' time, what right now in your life needs to get dumped? And I want to suggest the things that we put in our rubbish bin are are, are similar to some of the things that we need to ask ourselves the tough questions about in our life. You see, right now in my rubbish bin, there's some toxic substances. Not in a radioactive sense, but if you want to go and fish out the ham that I put in there and eat it, I guarantee that it's toxic. I guarantee that in 24 hours, you'll have a nice restful stay in a hospital on a drip somewhere because it's gone off and it smells bad and it's in the rubbish bin for a reason. You see, toxic things, if we hang on to them in our life too long, actually start to make us unhealthy. And I wonder if there's some toxic things that you're holding on to in your life that don't deserve a place in your story but need to get thrown out with the trash. In my bin, just not toxic substances but broken things. And sometimes we hold on to broken things hoping that maybe we can put them back together or fix them. But I know the longer we hold on to broken things in my family, the greater the likelihood that someone's going to get hurt. So anything that gets smashed, broken, or any electrical device that stops working or starts sparking in the house deserves its place in the bin. My toaster is currently, well, not just currently, forever in our bin at the moment because it's stopped being functional. And I wonder if there's a bunch of us that have got some broken things that need to find their way into the dump. Maybe it's not toxic or maybe it's not broken. Maybe it's just excessive. And maybe it's time just to remove those things from your life that have no place staying there, but we just hold on to them because we're not sure what we want to do with them. But really, they just clutter our life, they overwhelm our focus, and they have no place staying where they are. Or maybe the things we need to dump are just things that really there's no better way to describe them, and they're just dirty. They're things that have no place in our life. They're things that aren't just unhealthy for us. They're actually detrimental to us as individuals. They're detrimental to our family. I want to ask the question this year, what do you need to dump from your life? Maybe you need to dump some bitterness that you've held on to. Because the brokenness that sits inside and the longer you hold on to it, the more you're going to get hurt and the more those around you are going to get hurt. Maybe there's an addiction. There's something that you put into your body that you just know is unhealthy for you. It's toxic. To you, it's toxic to your relationships. 
Maybe there's a lust or a jealousy or maybe there's something that you fill your mind with that this year needs to find its way into the dump. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he talks about ways that we can offload things that have no place staying in our lives. Let me read to you what he says. I'm going to read this from the message paraphrase of the Bible this morning. I just love the way that this is worded. It says this, Don't allow love to turn into lust, setting off in a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity, filthy practices or bullying greed, or things that deserve a place in the dump bin. Though some tongues just love the taste of gossip, those who follow Jesus have better uses for language than that. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style, for thanksgiving is our dialect. You can be sure that using people or religion or things just for what you can get out of them, the usual variations on idolatry will get you nowhere and certainly nowhere near the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. Don't let yourselves get taken in by religious smooth talk. God gets furious with people who are full of religious sales talk but want nothing to do with him. Don't even hang around people like that. You groped your way through that murk once but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain so no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true. These are the actions appropriate for daylight hours Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Some of us right now are carrying some things that need to get dumped out of our life. The good news is God is not waiting on the sidelines to condemn us in that space. He's cheering us on because he knows that when we have the courage to dump some of the mess and the muck that we hold on to, that we're going to get to experience this incredible thing that comes when we become free of the sin that gathers in our life. And we get to experience the tangible reality of God's grace. You see, that's what happens when we dump the muck. The grace of God becomes a tangible reality for us. I love the poetic words in in the prophet Micah in the Old Testament from chapter 7, verse 18. He says this, Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. See, that is what God is like. That is what the grace of God is like. That as we make the choice to own, to name, and to offload the rubbish, he just waits with anticipation to flood your life with his compassion, his forgiveness, and his grace. Let me ask you the question, what needs to get dumped from your life this year? Bin number two, the yellow lid, the recycling bin. I want to call this the bin of restoration and renewal, because the things that we put in this bin are things that are going to go on to have a new life. They don't have a future dumped in the ground. They have a future restored and renewed into something good and wholesome and healthy. Right now, if you look in our recycling bin, you'll find cardboard containers, you'll find Christmas paper, you'll find bottles, you'll find cans, you'll find jars. You won't find too many cans, actually, because one of my New Year's resolutions is I'm going to see how much money I can make from recycling this year. So I became the scab at my in-laws Christmas, digging through the bin, getting cans out. 
for the sake of 10 cents. Man, it is commitment to dig through potato salad, coleslaw and cold ham to get 10 cents out of the bin. But I did it. And I was fueled mostly by the fact that I got my recycling bag hung up before my brother-in-law got his hung up. And I walked out of the family Christmas with pride with a bag full of cans, probably worth $3.70 as he walked away with three bottles of Bundaberg ginger beer. I had no regret or no remorse for taking away the recycling. But that was just a pointless sidetrack. Anyway, back to the recycling bin. It's filled with things that are going to take on new life. It's the bin of renewal and restoration. You know, when I was young, there were a few things that I observed in others that I thought all the cool kids had. And I don't know why I can still remember these, but there were two things specifically that stick in my mind as the things that all the cool kids had. Number one, and don't know why, was a thing called space food sticks. Anyone remember space food sticks? I mean, they were about $6 for a box. They were freeze-dried chocolate or caramel goodness. And all the cool kids had them in their lunchbox. I don't know why I remember that, but if you ever find space food sticks, feel free to buy me some. They're just don't spend a lot of money. No, I'm only joking. You can't find them anymore. But alongside space food sticks was soda stream. All the cool kids had, to, had a soda stream. And I don't know why I remember that, but back then soda stream wasn't as mainstream in the same way that it seems to be today, where you can just buy it simply, cheaply and everywhere. But I remember then as I grew up and became an adult, one birthday, Chrissy, my wife, decided to bless me with my very own soda stream machine. And I just felt like the king of the kids there for a while. And I went through every possible flavour that you could buy for the soda stream. And like many things from my childhood, it wasn't as good as I remembered from back there. But what I found in that was I developed a love for carbonated water, soda water. I stopped putting the flavourings in, I just fill bottle after bottle of water, stick it in the fridge, carbonate it, and suddenly I was drinking carbonated water everywhere you went. If you saw me through these seasons, I'd either be found with a bottle of soda stream carbonated water in my hand, or I'd be in the toilet because I drank way too much of it. But I just everywhere I'd go, I'd have carbonated water. Guess what? For someone of my highly athletic stature, carbonated water is a really good thing for me to employ into my diet. But then one day something tragic happened. The gas ran out of the soda stream. And carbonated water just became tap water. And there is a huge difference. And so I don't know why, it was not that complicated to unscrew the top, take the canister out, go down to Big W, get a new one, put it back in the machine. But it was enough to, to like cut me out of my practice of drinking carbonated water. And so I'd go for months of looking for new options for carbonation usually in other forms found in the fridge of liquid brown gold called Coca-Cola and other such wonderful flavoured drinks. What's what's my point? Sometimes we employ practices and habits and disciplines in our life that are really good and healthy for us. And we know they're good and healthy for us. When I was in the midst of that season, I just knew that it was good for me. I felt better, I felt fitter, I was losing weight, I felt healthier. But then suddenly, just a small thing changed and I dropped out of the habit. I wonder this year, the question we need to ask when we come to our recycling bin is what habit or practice needs to be renewed or restored in our life this year? After the eight o'clock, there's a number of people come up to me saying something about that recycling bin. You know, for, for six months of last year, I was journaling. And when I was journaling, I just heard God whisper things to me. And I felt God speaking to me. And, and then I just got out of the habit. 
And it's not that I fell out of love with the habit, it's just that I stopped doing it. Thanks for the reminder that there was something good about living in that space. And maybe for you, the thing that's gone by the wayside in your life are some spiritual disciplines that you know when they're part of your life are actually healthy for you. Maybe somewhere in your past, you had a season where you were really dedicated to carving out time to read God's word and allow God to speak to you for himself. Maybe you carved out time in your busy calendar to pray. Maybe you made a commitment to yourself and your family that you're going to be part of Christian community. So you took the really brave step of signing up to be part of a life group and gathering regularly with others in Christian community. Maybe you just made a discipline out of being regular at church. And you know in those seasons that things were going really well for you. Maybe yours wasn't a spiritual discipline. Maybe it was just a, a, something to do with your physical health. Or maybe it was a discipline that you had in your marriage, something you did with your spouse or, or a tradition that you built with your family. And something's happened where it's just fallen by the wayside. Maybe your work schedule changed. Or maybe you got sick. Or maybe something happened in your family where you just got out of the rhythm of doing that thing and all of a sudden you realise that something that was life-giving and wholesome and healthy fell by the wayside. And so the question for you today is what habit or discipline does God want to renew and restore in you in this coming year? In my role in pastoring the church, I have a number of people say to me, oh, I just there was a season in my life where I felt like, really close to God, where I was just sensing his voice and his presence. And, you know, I was regularly praying. I was regularly engaged in worship and gathering in Christian community. And I just got busy and distracted and those things fell away. And God just feels a bit more distant. And the reality is the only person that's moved has been you. And maybe what God wants to do is restore back to you some of the health that comes from employing some of the practices that have had life and have given life and God now wants to renew and restore and give brand new life to for you. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. His whole idea of renewing is actually coming back to. It's not a one-time thing. It's, it's an ongoing process. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. What habit or practice needs to be renewed or restored for you this year? Finally, the green bin. I, uh, I have five kids. My four eldest kids are boys. They are active, they are sporting, and they are competitive. And so when we uh, moved a few years ago as a family to Ormo, one of the stipulations in the property we were looking for was there was some green space so that our kids could get outside and exert some of their energy. And we don't have a huge backyard, but we've got enough space that my very creative kids can design all manner of games in that 10 by 10 metre square piece of grass. And it's amazing how they can create games of AFL and cricket and rugby league and soccer and whatever else that they want to. But we just appreciate having some green space. The downside to green space is the maintenance that comes with it. Chrissy says to me regularly, when our kids grow up, we're going to buy something with no yard, with lots of cement and with five pot plants. 
Because in summer, especially when the rain comes, and you've probably seen it, my house has just burst to life in the last week with some rain. But there's constant maintenance of the green space in our house. And so my green bin is full constantly of grass clippings and of the prunings, the trimmings off the trees and the bushes around our house. And so the question I want to ask this year about the green bin is what does God want to prune in you so that you can find greater fruitfulness? Now, I'm not a horticulturalist, but I've done a little research around pruning and I've experienced it for myself. When we moved in, we had this big hedge along the back patio of our house. And one day we just hacked it down to nothing, down to the stump. But within six months, it had flourished into something healthy and wholesome and better than it was when we took to it the first time. And so I've started to appreciate the joy of pruning. As I said, I'm no horticulturalist, so forgive the gaps in my story. But what I understand of pruning is this, and especially when it comes to fruit trees. You see, when you prune something, you create capacity, not just for new life, but for healthier life. You see, pruning takes away uh, all of the excess on the outskirts. It actually allows more sunlight to get into the heart of the plant, which stimulates new growth. Not only that, it reduces crowding in the plant so the fruit has space to grow and not just grow, but grow healthily. More than that, when you prune something, you remove all the dead wood and all the excess branches so the resources of the tree get spread into the places that really matter. If you want to see greater fruitfulness on your fruit tree in your backyard, you've got to learn how to prune it. I want to suggest for some of us today, our challenge next year is that if we want to see greater fruitfulness in our life, there's some things that need to get pruned. The hard thing about pruning is it feels like it's counterproductive. It doesn't feel like the intuitive thing to do to cut back. But sometimes we need to cut back so greater fruitfulness can come. And it's, it's counterintuitive in the sense because often the things we cut back are good things. But I wonder right now if there's some of us sitting here that as we look into 2020, we're already overwhelmed by all the things that we're signing ourselves up for. And we've got our finger in a whole bunch of different pies and we've signed up for a whole bunch of different things and we've got work and we've got family and we've got friendships we want to invest in. We've got our faith life and the things that we want to serve in and we've got all the extracurricular stuff with our kids and we're looking at the calendar and there's no space. I wonder whether God wants to prune some stuff in us so that we can find greater fruitfulness. Jesus speaks about this in John chapter 15. He says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me just speak to parents here for a moment. You see, I feel the pressure at times with kids and the pressure is this thing called opportunity. There's this thing that we all kind of grasp onto, which is we don't want our kids to miss out on any opportunity. And so our faith life matters. We really want our kids to be part of youth group and we want them serving in the church, but, but we don't want to 
not give them the opportunity to discover whether they are actually a classical pianist just in the wings. So we sign them up for piano lessons and then maybe if they don't like classical, we'll put them into some kind of popular music stream as well. But what happens if they're a pole vault champion waiting to happen? So we need to get little athletics in there and they really need to do some swimming lessons on the side and you know, maybe they should go and learn French in case we go to France sometime and really they should understand how to read you know, the rips at the beach so we'll put them in nippers and, 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 and maybe we do Irish dancing as well just in case they're the next river dance person waiting to, we have this thing in us that says we need to give our kids every opportunity so they don't miss out and so they discover what their passions and their gifts are. But in doing so, we do this thing where we overload our kids so much that they don't have the chance to flourish in anything, but they're just overwhelmed by everything. I wonder if there's a responsibility for some of us as parents to ask the question on behalf of our family this year of what needs to be pruned so the things that matter can actually bear much fruit. What is it that God wants to prune in you this year? You see, every one of those things is good. Swimming lessons are good. Piano lessons are good. Pole vault lessons. I don't even know if you can get pole vault lessons, but Irish dance, the list goes on. None of those are bad things. They're probably just not beneficial when they're all lumped together. So what is it that God wants to prune from you, prune from your diary, prune from your calendar, prune from your priorities, so the things that matter and the things that He's called you to do can flourish and produce great fruit. Every week this year, when you drag your bins to the curbside, my attractive face is gonna be whispering in your mind's eye. What needs to get dumped from my life? What muck, what rubbish, what's toxic, what's broken, what's excessive, what needs to go? What disciplines, habits, practices need to be restored or renewed in my life? What have I let go of that was actually healthy and beneficial for me? What do I need to carve out the space again to bring back into my schedule because I know when I do it, God's growing me and helping me become healthy. And what is it that God wants to prune? What, what things that might be good things need to go so that the better things can flourish? How do I become as fruitful as I've been created to be and invest in the things that really matter? I'll give you a challenge this week. Carve out five minutes sometime now between, well, between now and New Year's Eve and ask yourself those three questions. Name them, put a label on them. What needs to go, what needs to be restored and what needs to be pruned. I'm gonna get us all to stand this morning. I, I just wanna finish today by praying a prayer over all of us that we might know God's wisdom as we ask that question, that we might have His courage as we confront those things and that we might walk into 2020 with all its unknowns. 2020 for some of us will be the best year of our life and for some of us it's gonna be filled with some twists and turns that right now we can't even perceive. But the thing we can all know is that in the midst of whatever the journey looks like, God's presence and favour will walk with us. Why don't you pray with me this morning? God, I just wanna give you thanks as we stand here on the last Sunday of 2019. It was a year that you gave to us. 
Every day is a blessing, a gift from heaven. And I want to thank you, Jesus, that throughout 2019, no matter what joy we experience, the what pain we walk through, that your presence is always with us, that your faithfulness has never wavered. God, I want to pray as we step into a brand new year full of new opportunities, new possibilities, that we'd walk in knowing that the one thing that stays the same is our God. His grace, His mercy, His compassion, His faithfulness to us. God, I want to pray that as we walk into the new year, that we walk hand in hand into it with you, trusting you that no matter what the journey of life looks like, that you will always be with us. Father, this morning, I just want to pray that those of us that need to dump some stuff from our life, that you give us the courage to identify it, to name it, to own it, to repent from it, and to receive your forgiveness. God, to walk free into a new season, not encumbered by the muck and the filth that we carry. God, for those of us that have let some things slip that actually add health and value, God, give us the the courage to restore them, to bring them back. God, give us the discipline to actually put them back into our calendar, into our schedule and, and start to step back into the places we know that we flourish best. And God, for those of us that are just overwhelmed by lots of good stuff. God, give us the wisdom to know the difference between the good things in life, the God things in life, to let go of some of the good so that we might experience the best. God, that we might be fruitful in the things that you've called us to and the things that you've called us, not just to know, but to do. God, for your wisdom and your courage, I pray your blessing over all of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.